So stay tuned. I feel, I see God's angels. I see. Yes, we got God's angels bringing us the word for Sunday worship. get prayed up and hear the word from my special feature preacher hear ye the word always 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 about money and how would john wesley pastor of alfred street baptist church preached a good sermon and gave us a lesson on money and relationships hear him now bring us the word has fathered 13 children by four different women. Listen, leave your judgment out. I'm just telling you like your T.I. is. It's in the Bible. Jacob has 13 children by four women. And the tension between Leah and Rachel is a good place to pull over and preach two lessons of life. Can I give you two lessons of life from the tension between Leah and Rachel? Leah learns what I want someone to understand today. And that is, you can't make someone love you. Jacob never says he loves Leah. And Leah continues to try to make Jacob love her. Listen, listen, I'm not talking to the young folk because you, you, you ain't lived long enough to understand this. If, if you're in your 20s, I'm not talking to you. If you're in your 20s, you probably still think that your lips, your hips, and your fingertips are all it's going to take. So I'm not preaching to you. I'm talking to us who are on the other side of 35. 
And if you're on the other side of 35 and you've had some ups and downs and you've had some heartbreak and some heartache, you've put your all into something for it not to work on behalf of us who are grown and sexy in life. Allow me to simply tell it to you like this. Bonnie Raitt said it best in 91 and Tank sang it in 2010. You can't make someone love you. Amen. Somebody, you know that song. I can't make you love me if you don't. You can't make your heart feel something it won't. There's a grown amen on the chat right amen. there. There's somebody that's grown enough to know you can't make someone love you. Amen. And there's a line in that song that's gospel right. There's a line in that song that resonates with all of us who are grown. There's a line in that song that every young man, every young lady needs to hear. And in the middle of that song, Bonnie Raitt and Tank put it like this. I'll close my eyes. Then I won't see the love you don't feel when you're holding me. Oh, wait, that just went through my spirit. Somebody knows someone can be holding you physically and have no love for you spiritually. I came by to preach to my young princesses growing up. I came by to preach to that beautiful black teenage girl. I came by to preach to that freshman on her way to college campus. And I want you to hear me clearly that giving yourself to him does not mean he will give his heart to you. I need to say that again. Some young sister needs to hear that giving yourself to him does not guarantee he will give his heart to you. You can't make Someone love you. Amen. That's lesson number one. Lesson number two from Rachel and Leah is that children should not become pawns in the fighting between immature adults. Let me say that again. Children should not become pawns in the fighting between immature adults. Adults. Amen, amen. Y'all, let me tell you what's sad about this fight between Rachel and Leah. Brooke, they literally named their children after their battling, after their insecurities, and after their desire to win Jacob's heart. Their children are named with the insecurity of the fighting of their mothers. Leah looks at one of her children and literally names him. Uh, I've now won. Uh, Rachel has a child and says to her child, I finally beat my sister. Uh, Leah has another child and says, I got Jacob back. The children bear the name of the fighting between their mamas. Come by to tell you it's a shame when a child has to bear the marking of the immaturity of an adult. It's a shame when a child has to carry the weight of a parent's insecurity. It's sad to see a child caught in the pettiness of two adults who can't put aside their personal differences for what's in the best interest of that child. And I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but shame on you, Leah, and shame on you, Jacob, and shame on you, Rachel, for making your children bear the pettiness of your immaturity. Shame on you for taking out your insecurity on your child. Shame on you for using your child as a weapon against the other parent. Shame on you for 
for dragging your children into court. Shame on you for taking out your hatred of someone else on your child. It's a shame when a child has to bear the marking of the immaturity of two adults. Shame on you, Jacob. Shame on you, Leah. Shame on you, Rachel. There's some lessons in this fighting. Well, let me get back to the story. So Rachel finally has her children. And Jacob begins to hear the Lord say to him, it's time to go back home and face Esau. And so Jacob goes to Laban and says, listen, my time is done. I've worked seven years to get Leah who I didn't want. I've worked seven more years to pay off the debt for Rachel. I'm out of here. Laban doesn't want to let Jacob go. And so he says to Jacob, how much can I pay you to have you stay? Because Laban is all about money. Mm. And when Laban makes that offer, mm. Jacob senses an opportunity to get Laban back for what he did to him with Leah. Jacob now realizes I've got a chance to trick Laban the way Laban tricked me. Go home and read your Bible. It's a little complicated, but ultimately what happens, Mel, Jacob devises a plan to breed his own livestock out of Laban's livestock and breed stronger genetic animals than Laban's. So in a period of six years, Jacob manipulates the herd so that the stronger lamb and cattle and oxen and goat belong to him but the weaker ones belong to Laban. So for six years, Jacob is now tricking Laban the same way Laban tricked Jacob, the same way Jacob tricked Esau. Come on. After six years, Laban's sons see what Jacob has done and they're furious. They tell their father, Jacob has been tricking you for these last six years. Mm. Come on. Jacob packs up his wives, packs up his cattle, packs up his livestock and leaves and makes his way all the way back home. And on the way, Laban catches up with him. And when Laban catches up, it's on and cracking. It's ugly. It's mean. Jacob is mad. Laban is mad. And they get to the place where they realize God has called this relationship to an end. They sense that what was once productive in partnership has become toxic in relationship. They realize that what was once good for both of us now is good for neither of us. And it happens at Mizpah. You know what Mizpah is? Mizpah is that moment when you realize God has said it's over. Mizpah is when you realize this is no longer good for me. Mizpah is when you recognize no matter how much we enjoyed this yesterday, it has no tomorrow. Mizpah is when you get to that place of realizing you've got to walk away for your sanity and your well-being and your peace of mind and your joy and your own livelihood. Mizpah is when you recognize God has said, now may the Lord watch. 
between me and thee while we're absent one from another. And one of the questions I ask about this tension between Jacob and Laban, what led them to Mizpah? How do you get to a place where something that was productive has now come to an end? Listen, listen, if you hang out in this relationship between Jacob and Laban, you're going to find that there's some signs and some signals that this relationship is over. Can I tell you when you know you're on your way to Mizpah? Can I give you some forewarning, some signs of a relationship that's headed towards Mizpah? Can I tell you when your job is headed towards Mizpah? Can I tell you when a partnership is headed towards Mizpah? Can I tell you when a friendship is headed towards Mizpah? Can I tell you when a relationship is headed towards Mizpah? Oh, yes. Here it is right here. Part of the reason Jacob and Laban wind up in Mizpah, watch this, is because their perception of the purpose, the priority, and the practice of money is different. He, hear me. Here's what will lead you to a Mizpah moment. Come on. When you all see money differently. Come on. When money plays a different role for you oh, yeah. than it does for them. Yep. Some of us have lived long enough to declare that the one thing that will bring an end to any partnership, the one thing that will bring an end to a relationship, the one thing that will bring an end to a friendship is when you have a different perception yep. of the purpose, the priority, and the practice of how you use money. Yep. Money, Any relationship oh, yeah. that's going to have some longevity in your life oh, yeah. must pass the money test. Oh, yeah. What is the money test? Oh, yeah. It's that Definitely. moment when you find out whether you all see money the same way. Yep. Come on. Let me tell you something. If your perception and how you use money is different, yep. you're headed towards mispa. If money is a tool for you to build something, but a toy for them to simply enjoy life, you're on the road to Mispa. Oh, yeah. If they like to gamble yep. and you want to save, you're on your way to Mispa. Oh, yeah. If their first thought with money is Gucci and your first thought is down payment on a house, Hello. you're on your way to Mispa. Amen. If getting an 800 credit score is your goal and they don't even know what their credit score is, you're on your way to Mispa. Amen. If you're a, uh, I get it next this time, you get it next time, and they are a uh, split the bill and I'm not going to pay the tip, you're on your way to Mispa. Somebody today, you live long enough to know there's a friendship that wound up at Mispa because you viewed money differently. There's a relationship that wound up at Mispa because you viewed money differently. Uh, they, they, there's a partnership that came to a Mispa moment because you had a different perspective about money and the relationship could not pass the money test. You've been listening to May the Lord Watch Part 2. Right here on Magic 102.3 and 92.7, your Faith Forward radio station with Pastor Howard John Wesley of the historic Alfred Street Baptist Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Mark, here's what amazes me. Laban and Jacob separate over money.
But the reality is that both of them were wealthy. Laban had money and Jacob had money. But the wealth could not save the relationship. Because it's not about the amount you earn. It's about how you see what you have. You can be in relationship with someone who does not earn what you earn because the problem is not how much you take home. The problem is how you see what you do, how you see what you have when you get it home. Let me see if I can push this. Come on, preach. Laban is all about money. Come on, all about money. And Laban believes that with money he can get whatever he wants. He believes with money, he can control Jacob. Come on. Have you ever met a Laban? Have you ever met someone that thought because of what they earned, they controlled everything? Have you ever met a Laban that thought their bank account gave them control over you? Come on. Have you ever met a Laban that thought that buying you a gift would make you forget how nasty they were to you? Come on. Have you ever met a Laban that thought that their money gave them the right to treat people any old way they wanted? Have you ever met a Laban in your life who thought that money allowed them to control everything? Come on, preach. But Jacob is different. Jacob realizes it's not my money that's gotten me where I am. But he begins to realize it's only the grace of God. Look at how he talks to Rachel and Leah in chapter 31. He says to them, I know that God has blessed me. The difference is that Jacob realizes it's by grace of God. Laban believes it's by the control of his wealth. And they see money differently. Laban thinks money gives him power. Jacob realizes it's only God that has got me where I am. And there is a difference between thinking your money's giving you control and realizing it is only by the grace of God. Amen, amen. Laban looks at his life and says, look what my money gave me. Jacob looks at his life and says, look what God has blessed me with. The difference is that one of them realizes it is only by the goodness and the grace of God. Amen. Amen. Beloved, every relationship reaches a point where you've got to ask the question, what is the real source of our livelihood? What are we building on? What are we trying to attain? Is it money or is it God? Beloved, I came by to tell you that money is God's number one competitor for the devotion of your life. Money is God's number one competitor for the devotion of your life. That's why Jesus said in Matthew and in Luke, you can't serve two masters. Either money is going to rule your life or your love of the Lord is going to rule your life. What is ultimately in control? Our money or our faith in God? Come here, beloved. That's why, that's why God demands that we tithe. Hear me clearly. Someone, you've got it all twisted because you went to a church that was financially manipulative and they distorted your understanding of why we tithe. We don't tithe because God needs your money. God is rich in houses and land. God can do exceedingly and abundantly. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness of thereof. God doesn't need your money. No. 
If God needed your money, tithing would be 90% and leave you with 10. God ain't broke. Nope. God doesn't need your money. Nope. The reason God demands the tithe is because God wants to know, does your relationship with me pass the money test? What do you put above me? And I need to know, are we on the same page with money? Do you trust that I'll take your 10% and bless you exceedingly and abundantly? Do you trust that I'm the God that makes a way out of no way? Do you trust that I'll open a door your money cannot open? Tithing. Yes. It's about the money test. Okay. Do you trust God? Amen. Let me tell you what I need in my life. I need people in my life who want to make money, but also know how to trust God. Amen. I need folk that are disciplined with a budget, but know that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask a thing. I need someone who knows how to save and someone who knows how to obey. I need someone who knows that there's some things money can buy, Amen. but there's some things only the grace of God can provide in my life. Amen. I need someone who sees both. No more Labans. So they come to Mizpah because their perception of money is different. Can I give you another reason why they wind up in Mizpah? They wind up in Mizpah not only because their perception of money is different, but watch as they get there because Laban does not encourage Jacob discerning the will of God. Hear me. Laban's problem with Jacob is that Laban does not care what the will of God for Jacob is. Remember, remember, after Rachel has her son, Jacob hears God say, go back home. Jacob goes to Laban and says, God told me to go home. Laban says, no, you're supposed to stay right here. No prayer, no fasting. No, let's think about it. No, pray about it. He simply says, I want you to stay here. Why? Because Jacob is good business for Laban. Jacob makes Laban money. And Laban does not want to release Jacob because his own selfish desire is to keep Jacob because of what Jacob brings to his life. Have you ever met a Laban? who only wanted to be connected and keep you because of the wealth you added to their life, the joy you brought to them, the peace you gave them. It was causing you hell, but it made them heaven and they would not release you because you made them better. Hello. Laban never says, well, let's pray about it. Now, now watch this, watch this. When Jacob tells his wives, Rachel and Leah, the same thing, that God has told me to go home. Rachel and Leah, verse 16, this is what they say. Jacob, do whatever God tells you to do. I want to make sure you see the difference. Laban says, stay with me because it's good for me. Rachel and Leah say, do whatever God tells you to do. Well, make sure you see the two different type of people. There are people in your life who will respond like Laban, stay here because it's in my best interest. But I need some Rachels and I need some Leahs who say to me, you got to do what God tells you to do. Beloved, I came by to tell you, be careful of intimately and permanently connecting your life to people who have no discerning 
of what God has called you to do. Be careful of the Labans that only want you to stay because you're good for them. You need some people in your life who when you tell them what you want to do, the first thing they say is, have you prayed about it? I need some friends who when they find out I'm about to make a life decision will say to me, well, let me fast with you for three days until you hear God speak. Don't you say I do if he's never said, let's pray. You need some folk in your life who are concerned about the will of God and say, we've got to pray until we hear God. And when you hear God, do what God tells you to do. Listen, you're on your way to Mizpah. If you're with someone who sees money differently than you, you're on your way to Mizpah. If you're with someone who doesn't care about what God has said to you. Can I finally tell you why you're on your way to Mizpah? Jacob and Laban wind up in Mizpah. I like this, Angie, because Laban brings out the worst in Jacob. Laban's presence brings out a side of Jacob that God is trying to change. Remember, Jacob's name means trickster. And when he left from his father's house, he left because he had tricked Esau. God sends him to Laban. But when God is going to send him back to Esau, he meets him in Peniel, and changes his name to Israel, which means God prevails. Watch this. So God says to Jacob, I'm trying to change your name. I'm trying to change your character. I'm trying to change your spirit from trickster to trust God. But the problem is that Laban is a trickster. And when the opportunity came, you went back to being Jacob when I'm trying to make you Israel because Laban brings out the Jacob, but he doesn't encourage the Israel. Your relationship with Jake, with Laban is holding you in a place God is trying to break you out of. God is trying to deliver you from. God is trying to change you. And I've got to end this relationship because it's holding you to something I'm trying to get you out of. Beloved, have you ever had a layman in your life? Someone who continuously brought the you out of you that God didn't want you to be anymore? Have you ever been in an argument with someone and stepped out of your own self and looked at yourself and said, that ain't me? Have you ever found yourself doing something for a layman that you wouldn't do for anyone else in life? And you ask yourself, how did I get that low? How did I sink to that level? How did I start acting like that? Because Laban brings out the worst in you. So God says, listen, when you realize that this relationship is holding you to something I'm trying to get you out of, y'all got to get to Mizpah. When you realize that that job is bringing out of you that even you don't recognize, it's time to get to Mizpah. When you recognize that friendship is taking you to a level that God is trying to lift you from, it's time to get to Mizpah. Oh, yes. Because Laban is bringing out the worst in you. 
They wind up in Mizpah because they see money differently. They wind up in Mizpah because Laban doesn't care about the discerning of God. And they wind up in Mizpah because Laban brings out the trickster and God wants to bring out the one who trusts God. They wind up in Mizpah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent one from another. To download this week's message in its entirety and or to support this ministry financially, please visit alfredstreet.org or be sure to download our Alfred Street Foundation. Amen. iTunes or Google.